Sometimes studying the Bible can feel overwhelming and confusing. Grounded in Truth with Janet Dennison will help you learn to study, understand, and apply God's Word to your daily life. His Word is true. And guess what? It's for everyone. So thanks for joining us today as we dive into Scripture together. Welcome to the Grounded in Truth podcast with me, Janet Dennison. This is a study about the power of prayer and why praying with God's power is necessary for our lives and ministries. Powerful prayer aligns our hearts, minds, and lives with the will of God and enables the Holy Spirit to continue Jesus' earthly ministry through His disciples. Let's look at today's lesson and learn more about how we can pray more effectively and with an eternal purpose in mind. Hi, welcome to lesson four of our studies on prayer. Today I wanna talk and teach about praying against evil in our lives. It's not something we do often, But to be honest, it's something all Christians might need to get a little better at um, in our lives. There is evil in the world. Satan still attacks. We sometimes limit those satanic attacks to Jesus in the New Testament or to uh, the disciples. But remember, we're all disciples. Honestly, if you are trying to allow your life to serve God in his purpose, you need to recognize and understand that when you step into serving God with your life, you've stepped in Satan's way and there will be arrows. How do you pray against Satan's arrows that want to do you harm? Often I've taught that A Christian doesn't have to worry about Satan ever owning their lives. Once you're a Christian, you are a child of God, and there's nothing Satan can do to snatch you from God's hand. The problem is we're still human beings on planet Earth, and while we know we are the saved children of God, we still wrestle with our weaknesses here on Earth. If Satan can't have your soul, He will do his best to have your witness. And that's something every Christian should be aware of and pray against. How is Satan at work in your life? What is Satan trying to convince you of that you know isn't what the Bible teaches as truth? It would be good to spend some time thinking about that as we go through this lesson today because we need to pray against whatever Satan is doing in our lives. It's been said that there are two big mistakes. One is to give Satan too much power in your life by fearing him and worrying about him and looking for him behind every bush. But the other big mistake is to not realize he has power. Either way, we're making a mistake that weakens our life. So let's look at David's psalm that he wrote in a period of his life when he probably woke up every morning feeling attacked. 
and we'll learn a lot from King David uh, through the scripture today. It's Psalm 140. It was a psalm written by David later in his life. David had been chosen by Samuel to be the next king uh, of the nation of Israel. King Saul didn't want to give up that role. David, as a young man, was brought into the palace of King Saul. He suffered from delusions, from anxiety. It's hard to say what all of his troubles were, but David knew music. He played the harp. And when David played the harp, when David was in the room with King Saul, peace came into the room with him and Saul was comforted by him. Saul had been impressed with him uh, when he slayed Goliath, but he wanted him around him as somebody he recognized as someone God could use. The problem was David was to have the position of king. And eventually Saul's jealousy of David began to consume him. Saul's son, Jonathan, was David's best friend. And it was Jonathan that came to David one day and warned him, my dad, King Saul, wants to kill you. You need to run. And so David did run. And historically, we believe David ran from Saul for about 10 years. Those 10 years were some of David's darkest days of his life. Imagine what it would be like to wake up every morning knowing you were supposed to be the king, but the one who wouldn't give it up to you was trying to kill you so you would not be king. That was David's existence. Saul had all of the armies of Israel. He was the commander of all those armies. David had a group of men that were his supporters and his strength and his band of warriors that went with him. They were outnumbered in every way. And yet this is the prayer, the song of praise that David wrote during that period of time where he was likely burdened by the attacks that were coming his way. A familiar psalm begins in much the same way as the psalm we'll look at today. Psalm 121 is best known as beginning with, I call it the sound of music verse. It, psalm 121 one begins with the phrase, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. I love that phrase. We talked about exalting God in our prayers, in our praise. This is exalting God. I lift up my eyes to the hills because I know where my help comes from. It comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. David begins Psalm 140 in a very similar way saying, rescue me, Lord. From evildoers, protect me from the violent. David begins his psalm with a prayer, asking God to help him, ask 
praying against the evildoers, those who wanted to do him harm in his life. David understood that his best help came from the maker of heaven and earth. How does David describe an evildoer in his prayer? He says they are people who devise evil plans in their hearts and stir up war every day. They make their tongues as sharp as serpents. The poison of vipers is on their lips. This is a phrase that John the Baptist used and that Jesus used in describing the Pharisees. He said the poison of vipers was on their lips. They were a brood of vipers. That wasn't a slander. It simply meant that what comes out of their mouths is poison. For Jesus, he was telling the Pharisees, what you're saying isn't true. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, those were the evildoers in Jesus's life. For David, it was Saul and his armies. They didn't just come after him planning evil, planning vengeance and harm. They spoke evil of him. They degraded him, shamed him, ruined his reputation. By this time, David was to be known as the king. He was supposed to be in a position of great honor. He was supposed to be king. And yet, he was being slandered by the people, by the king. And he felt not only was his life in danger, so was his reputation, his honor, his legacy. Sometimes when we pray against evil, it's because people want to do us physical harm or we fear physical harm. Most of the time, when you and I pray against evil, we are praying against people who wish to harm our witness, wish to harm our reputation. Sometimes they like to slander us because they know we're Christians. Jesus said, they slandered me, they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. It's something we should expect even more than that. It's something we should pray against. We should pray for God to help us restore our witness when we do harm to it. We should pray for God to strengthen us. We should pray for God to help us live in such a way like Paul taught us, to heap coals on the heads of those who wish to do us harm. Both Jesus and John the Baptist described the Pharisees as people who were slandering them. Their words did harm to God's kingdom. Let's pray against those whose words do harm to God's kingdom because biblically we would call them evil doers. What specifically was David praying for in this psalm and praying against? He says in the psalm, keep me safe, Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Protect me from the violent who devise ways to trip my feet. The arrogant have hidden a snare for me. They have spread out the cords of their net and they have set traps for me along my path. 
David lived every day for 10 years looking for who might be after him, who was coming after him. I sense in my mind a picture of that person walking through a field that could contain landmines. He walked through his life like his very next step could be a landmine. King David prayed for his personal needs, knowing God already knew the people involved and their plans. He didn't pray by name. David in his psalm didn't slander King Saul. He just prayed against all of the people who might be setting traps for him that were trying to come against him. He knew that God already knew who his enemies were. Maybe we should pray for our enemies, not using their name, but trusting God already knows who they are. Maybe we have enemies we don't even know are our enemies. We just should pray in the collective. Father, if someone comes against what you want to do in my life, if someone comes against my witness, Father, I pray that you would stop them and help me live in such a way that any slander they might give out has no merit. David prayed that his trust and his hope in God would sustain him. He then said to the Lord, you are my God. Hear, Lord, my cry for mercy. That's verse 6. God understands that we have a need for mercy. David knew he wasn't perfect. David knew he had his own set of sins and weaknesses. And so he prays for God's mercy, that God might forgive his sins so that he could then be in a place of being blessable by God. And he could then pray for the protection and the mercy he needed God to give him. He knew that the mercy he most needed was God's, not other people's. He said, Sovereign Lord, my strong deliverer, you shield my head in the day of battle. David knew that Saul's armies probably had armor and his did not. Rock's throne could do great harm. David knew that firsthand because of his slingshot with Goliath. He prayed that his head would be protected, that he wouldn't be hurt physically. But when he prayed for God to protect his head, he was also praying against fear, against the need for revenge. He was praying against the evil thoughts that were contained in his head. When we pray against evil, we need to pray against the evil thoughts that Satan might be authoring in our own lives. A lot of our fears never come to pass. A lot of what we are afraid of will happen is the suggestion of Satan's thoughts in our head, not God's. That's when we take captive our thoughts and submit them to Jesus Christ, like it teaches us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We take captive our thoughts, submit those thoughts, and let God tell us who authored them. If Satan authored that thought, if the thought is not something that Jesus would ever have said, then lay that thought down at the feet of the at the foot of the throne. Because that's Satan 
some of Satan's sharpest arrows, our thoughts that cause us fear and do us harm. David prayed that God would protect his head, shield his head, shield his thoughts, his mind. We should pray for that daily. He says, do not grant the wicked their desires, Lord. Do not let their plans succeed. We should pray against the things of this world that come against our witness, that come against our testimony of who God is in our life. Let's pray against them to remove the evil from them and ask God to be our deliverer too, so that our thoughts and our lives can glorify God. Sometimes we pray against a plan, but sometimes we pray for a plan. How does David pray for his enemies? He says, those who surround me proudly rear their heads. May the mischief of their lips engulf them. What a great way to pray for our enemies, that their words will reflect who they are more than slander our witness. Something to remember too, truthfully, when we're an enemy of someone else. All of us have said words of slander as well. And haven't you felt your own words during those times of slander? I know I have. Those words come back and engulf my head. I believe Satan returns to remind us again and again of our slander. If you've not prayed for repentance against words of slander, then maybe those words still swirl around your head. That's a good thing to pray for too. That's a good way to pray against evil, is that God would show you what you've done so that you're enable, you're able to repent from those things. David says, may burning coals fall on them. May they be thrown into the fire, into miry pits, never to rise. That kind of took me back. David just comes right out he's, and prays for his enemies and says, get rid of them, God. May they never come against me again. He says, may slanderers not be established in the land. May disaster hunt down the violent. You know, it's probably not a wrong thing to ask God to take out those who would do harm to his saints. It's okay to pray against those who want to bring harm to the word of God. And there's a lot of that in our culture right now. I pray for God to redeem their lives because I know he can. The best way to get rid of an enemy is to have them come to know the Lord as their Savior. Think of Paul. There was no greater testimony to the power of God than the life of Paul, who was really one of the greatest enemies of the gospel in the beginning. So pray for your enemies that they become a Saul of Tarsus and that there's a road to Damascus in front of them. David prayed for God's judgment in their lives, but I want you to pray for their redemption as well. That's actually the best thing that could happen. David knows God. 
and he understands that God is a God of justice. He says, I know that the Lord secures justice for the poor and upholds the cause of the needy. David knows who God is for. He says, surely the righteous will praise your name and the upright will live in your presence. And isn't that the prayer we need to pray for everyone? May we live so fully in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of his Holy Spirit, that we recognize our enemies, we can pray for them and against the harm they might bring. We can pray for their redemption. Paul, the greatest terrorist in the New Testament, wrote how we should pray for God's protection. It was in his letter of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, that Paul prayed, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray. Pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1-3 is I think one of the best definitions of how you and I as New Testament believers should pray against evil. We know God, we know what he's capable of, and we know what we want him to do. George Bush was making a speech after 9-11 and he used verses that where he, he became known for praying against, calling people to pray against the evildoers. He referred to those who had flown planes into buildings. He referred to them as evildoers. George Bush, in his speech against those uh, who had done evil, said, tomorrow, when you get back to work, work hard, like you always have. But we've been warned. We've been warned there are evil people in this world. We've been warned so vividly. He frequently referred to the people who had flown planes into the towers. And he prayed against them. He said, we've been warned. There still are people who do not believe in God. There are still people who live without salvation in God. There are still people who are angry as disciples, probably angry against another disciple, and have begun to slander, and they stand against God. Anyone who stands against the will and purpose of God is an evildoer. We just don't recognize evil sometimes. Let's be someone who recognizes our potential for evil, but prays against it in the lives of others and in our own lives. C.S. Lewis said, you cannot make men good by law. In other words, you can't make men good 
by legislating morality. Only God can make them good when he makes them moral people. Ian Bounds wrote, the more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be, the mightier the forces against evil everywhere. Pray without ceasing and always be praying against every evil you see in your life. That's your greatest strength and it highlights your purpose. When does evil come against you? When God wants to be at work instead. Jesus told his disciples, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me first. We need to pray against the evil in our lives. We need to pray against the evil we see in other people's lives. It's our best weapon. Pray without ceasing. And don't forget to pray against evil. I'll see you next time. We are so glad you're tuning into the Grounded in Truth podcast. Since you're here, we know you understand that studying God's Word is essential in strengthening us for the unavoidable challenges in life. In this world, we will experience difficult seasons, but God's Word tells us that we can experience the great calm of Jesus in every circumstance. That's why Janet wrote her most recent book, A Great Calm. This collection of scripture-based devotionals will prepare and strengthen you for those inevitable storms. So when the worries do come, you can frame your thoughts with the truth of God's words found in scripture. It's a perfect book to keep by your bedside table or wherever you can easily reach for it when you need to quiet your mind and restore your soul. A Great Calm would also make a wonderful gift for someone you might know who is walking through a difficult time. Copies are limited, so please visit foundationswithjanet.org forward slash calm, or click the link in the show notes to order your copy of A Great Calm today.